Hi, I am Pastor Wright, and welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast which prepares you for Sunday and beyond. This will take place as we discuss the topics and ideas behind the readings to better understand what is going on so that we may meet our Lord as he comes to us in sermon, liturgy, and hymnody. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we're going to look at the readings for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord. If you're curious about all the readings, we have a new podcast that is dropped the day before, and it is Get Right for Sunday readings, and it is just the weekend readings that you can listen to read by me. Today, we're going to specifically look at the gospel lesson, which comes to us from St. Mark, the first chapter. And it is immediately after the incident that we discussed last week, where Jesus goes into the synagogue, teaches with authority, and then heals the demon-possessed man. And we hear at the end of this text that the people are astonished, not only by the teaching, but that the fact that when Jesus says something or acts, it really happens, that he is really doing something, which is completely different than everything that anybody has heard before. He's not teaching or preaching like the scribes or the Pharisees, but he is really bringing his authority to bear, to be seen by everyone who is there. So after this event, he goes to Peter's house, and he is told about Peter's mother-in-law, who is sick with fever. And he takes her by the hand and heals her. And she gets up and immediately starts to serve them. And when we're looking at St. Mark's gospel, the word immediately shows up a lot. And this doesn't mean that the story is immediately this happened, immediately this happened, immediately this happened. St. Mark uses this word immediately to show a little transition, to move to the next part of the event. And so when Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, she gets up and, and starts serving and doing the work that she has in the household. This doesn't mean that they couldn't do anything and they were waiting for the mother-in-law to get better so that they could eat. Jesus does a good thing by healing her and bringing her back to the life of the house. And then the situation changes. We hear that evening at sundown, they, the community, brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demon, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This is really interesting on a lot of points. One of the first things that I would like to point out is at sundown, this happens. And when we think of darkness, we think of, well, don't you want to get relaxed? Don't you want to stay indoors? Not that we're scared of the dark, but the work day is over. And the evening and the nighttime is all about relaxing. 
That's all about recovering from the day. But Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then the community, the neighborhood, the city finds out that Jesus, the one who preaches with authority, the one who casts out demons, is here. And so they bring to him all their sick, and at night he heals them. And one of the interesting things about this is, again, darkness. Darkness never seems to be a good time to do good things. We use the dark to hide, to sneak, to uh, do the things that we don't want people to know about. And here, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, comes in darkness, not shrouded, not hiding, not spying, not being uh, anything nefarious, but he comes to heal. He comes to make right what is wrong, the sickness, the diseases, and the demon possession. He comes to heal them. And so during the night, Jesus works. And what this establishes is that God, Jesus, is the Lord of all creation. Both night and day are his. And wherever he is, there is his work. And the darkness will not overcome him. The power of the devil will not overcome him. The corruption of this world will not overcome him. And so by doing this at night, Jesus is really making a statement that he is coming into our world, our dark, corrupted world, to fix, to heal, to bring light. Now, just because he's doing this amazing, miraculous work, it doesn't mean that he was glowing and shining and that the darkness ran away. No, the darkness was very much present. But Jesus takes on the darkness head on. He goes right into the darkness so that he can not only challenge the darkness. And when I speak of the darkness, it is sin, it is death, it is corruption, it is the fallenness of us and creation. That is, after all, why Jesus broke into our time, our space, and takes on our flesh to deal with all that is wrong with the world, including you and me. And so, seeing this, we see that Jesus goes into the depths of the darkness of this life, of your life, of my life, of our life. And what does he do? But he exercises his divinity, his power over creation. He heals those who are sick with various diseases. He restores life. He gives them back to their families so that they can not just do chores, but they can participate in the gift of life. Those who are demon-possessed, they too are returned back to life. They too are restored to health, and the demons are not allowed to speak because we hear, as St. Mark says, because they know who he is. And this is important because nobody understands fully 
what and who Jesus is. Not until well after the resurrection and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is bestowed upon the disciples and apostles, and the dots are connected, and they are able to see the fullness of what God has done in Christ. And so, Jesus doesn't want the demons to usher this in any sooner. He has plans, and it is according to his time that he will do what he has been sent to do. And of course, that is to fulfill all of God's law, all his commands, all his will, die the perfect, innocent death, and rise again. But again, according to his timetable, not because of the devils, the demons, or even our timetable. And so here again, we see God acting in our space, our time, our corruption to bring the light of life and to truly scatter the darkness, showing that it does not have power. And we get to be comforted in this, knowing that the darkness will not overwhelm us because we are in Christ. This also means we're going to have to deal with the darkness, but we deal with the darkness. We deal with corruption. We deal with sin. We deal with death in light of what Christ has done and in the light of what Christ has done. We get to stand victorious. Yes, we may suffer on this side of heaven. Yes, we, we may struggle with the things of this world, but they have not and will not overcome us because we are in Christ. These events are given to us to strengthen our faith so that we can call upon God in trust and hope that he will see us through the dark times of our life, through the hardships of what we deal with, knowing that he too, in Jesus, has dealt with the hard life on this side of heaven. And we truly get to, in all boldness, all comfort, go into the darkness, knowing that Christ has already scattered it, already defeated it. And we will come out of this world, out of this corruption, out of this darkness to bask in the light and glory of God in the resurrected body, in life eternal, in the new heaven, new creation forever and ever. It is in those promises that we truly take on the challenges of faith, the challenges of living out our baptismal life, which is a repentive life, turning away from our sin, turning away from our death, turning away from our rebellion, so that we can continue to work and strive with God in his will. This is also what St. Paul talks about in his a letter to the Corinthians when he says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no grounds for boasting. Because when the gospel is preached, it is nothing less than pointing to Christ. It is nothing less than giving Christ to the hearer. It doesn't come from the pastor by his authority. Just as we heard last week, the authority of God comes from 
God himself, who then places that authority in and through the church, the pastor, the Sunday school teachers, and the parents. But it is still God's authority. And those placed in authority over other people get to do exactly that. Point to Christ. Point to God. And there is no grounds to boast. For even I myself can't say, wow, look how great I am. You should listen to me because I have things to say. And because I have things to say, you will be saved. No. In fact, I really get to say, don't listen to me. Listen to Christ. Thus says the Lord. And there is so much comfort, especially from a pastoral perspective, because I don't have to worry about, did I say enough? Did I do enough? Because the answer is immediately, no, I will never say enough. I will never do enough. But God, God can say enough. God can do enough. And he does that in Christ. And when we hear the gospel in its sweetness, the gospel in its fullness, we get to hear all of Christ for our life. You get to see Christ in your pastor. You get to see God in your parents, in the authorities that are over you when they act according to God's word and will. And this is the true freedom of the church. This is the freedom of the pastor, of the listener and hearer and the worshiper and the congregation member. They truly, in all freedom, get to receive and live, knowing, again, the darkness hasn't overcome. The corruption hasn't overcome. Death has not taken you, for you are Christ's, and you you, dear listener, get to be lifted up to hold on to Christ and hold on to the gift that has been given to you for salvation. These are the joys of life. These are the joys of being called out of darkness and being a child of light trusting in his promises, trusting in his work, which again is outside of us. And this is what we then conform our lives to. This is what we live in, live on, and live through. None of this is easy. It might be simple, but none of it's easy. And that is all the more reason to Run to church, run to the gospel, run to the mercy of Christ, because it is there that we find hope, forgiveness, and life. In all of this, it is always my hope and my prayer that you do truly hear Christ, that you hear his healing words, your sins are forgiven. You live in the restored life, no matter how oppressive you think the darkness of this life, the darkness of your sin is, they have been taken away. And you, you get to live in the promises and the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the life everlasting of God for you 
instead of giving you his wrath. What wonderment, what excitement, what joy we get to have because Christ has come to us and Christ has redeemed us. These are the very things that are given here at Holy Cross. And I pray that the Holy Spirit builds this community, strengthens you, dear listener, as you live out your faith in your daily vocation, in your daily life, that you are strengthened to stand against the temptations of the flesh and the world, knowing Christ is your Lord. God is your God who has redeemed you and who has called you to live in the light, knowing Christ and his love. very thankful that you have joined us for Get Right for Sunday. I know your time is valuable, and I appreciate that you joined us to listen, discuss, and learn what our Lord gives to us through the gospel. You can join us here at Holy Cross on Saturday at 6 p.m. and on Sunday at 8 a.m. and 10.30. God's peace and blessings be upon you.